this is the third time I've tried to preach this message, and I believe this morning we're going to get it. Now, I want you to uh, want you know the Lord's been moving. We've been having some prophetic words the last two weeks. We've been having some miracles. I want you to know God is, God is moving um, in our church, in our worship. He is moving in our town. Um, he is here. I think Elizabeth gave such a great word this morning in that remember Sometimes we, we only can remember what we're going through. We can't remember what God's done in the past. That's why I believe that the children of Israel, that God started to sit, have us set up altars and set up memorials so that when we walked by, we'd have to think about what God did right there. Why are those 12 stones right there? Well, let me tell you why. Because God did this. You know, little Madison at one point is going to have a challenge in her life and going to be able to say, but I remember God healed my arm. And it came out of her own mouth. Daddy, God healed me. And instead of being in a cast for six to eight weeks, she's in one for two weeks. Well, I want you to know God is, God is, in the, is on the move. Now, are you needing God to move in your life? You know, it's a question I want to ask you today. Are you needing God to move in your life? Well, I want to tell you something. The problem is not on heaven's end. The problem is on our end. So I believe that we've got some movement to make. We need to move. That when we proclaim God's word, that when we walk in God's word, God is held to that and he has to perform it. He has to. You know what? He likes to be tested in his word. He is looking over his word waiting to perform it. So the the key to church is not to just come in here and hear a good word, but to go out and start walking that word. Don't just be hearers. Be doers. So I'm, I'm going to, we're going to, we've been looking at the fruits of the Spirit. We've been looking at this for about, you know, six or seven weeks now. And we're almost done. We've got gentleness today. We're going to wrap up gentleness today. And then next time is going to be self-control. And I've gotten so much um, ribbing at me over self-control. Well, I, I needed all those others, but I don't need self-control. And it's not that I don't need it, it's that I don't want to face it. Self-control is one of the hardest things, so don't check out. Hang in there. God is wanting to bless you. We've been looking at Galatians 5.22, and it talks about how God is wanting to make us loving and happy and peaceful and patient and kind and good. And then these last three, if you remember from two weeks ago, was faithfulness, and today gentleness, and next time is self-control. Now, we are, we're going to have a special guest next Sunday, and I want to encourage you, don't check out because we've got a special guest. It's Peter and Phoebe Sozi from Uganda, and it's been over a year since we've had them. And I want you to know, every time he has brought the word, it has been a rhema word. Do you know what I mean? It was a word from God, and a powerful word. It's the people that we support in Uganda through um, the orphanage, through the school, and through planting churches. We, Church on the Hill, have planted a church, which I have preached in. And I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Um, But gentleness, gentleness. If you've got your notes, I'm just going to catch up real quick. I've already filled in the answers for you on most of the front page. But what is gentleness? What is gentleness? Do you remember from last time? Gentleness, I have defined as power under God's control. Let me tell you something, a gentle person is a powerful person. So many times we want to think of meekness as weakness, and that's not right at all. God's people, when we are under the power of the Lord, are not weak people. 
We're not weak. We in ourselves, in our flesh, are weak, and where we are weak, He makes us strong. But when we face any enemy, when we go into battle as a child of God, we are not weak. Now, how many of you know not all battles require bloodshed? Some battles require meekness. Some of those are the hardest ones. It's a lot easier just to lose your temper and throw a fit. But most of our battles today are, in, are, are being gentle and meek. We're going to start looking after I finish um, the fruits of the Spirit, we're going to start going into the Beatitudes. And I want you to know meekness is a powerful thing. But gentleness is power under control. And we started an acronym under the, by this word power right here, P. If you look at your notes, we've already done this for you. Five elements of gentle people. Number one, P is personality under God's control. And I'm going to share probably the most on this one as I review. Because so many times we think that our personality needs to change. No, God made you with that personality. He made you different from the person sitting next to you. He made me different from my wife. One thing I've once learned is if two people are just alike, one of us isn't needed. That's why we're different. Because we can help each other. God doesn't want to change your personality. He wants to bring that personality under his control. So many of us today might even, by Christian teaching, go and look at our gifts and look at where our personalities are, and we just kind of say, well, that's just the way I am. You're just going to have to put up with me because that's the way I am. Well, let me tell you, that is not placing your personality under God's control. It's you making excuses for the way you behave. So what we've got to do is take who we are, and let me tell you, I'm as quirky as any of you. And I've got to get that under God's control because God has made me this way to perform greatly by the way he's made me. Got something in my eye. You know that scripture, get the thing, you deal with what's in your eye rather than, you know. We got to get our personality under the control of God. Not under the control of man. And not under the control of flesh. But under the control of God. You know, when I start to realize how my personality is supposed to work under the authority of God, the world in my life makes sense again. But when I get outside of it, nothing clicks. Has anybody ever dealt with that, with your personality and you're outside of where God wants you to be and nobody gets it and they make fun of you, they give you a hard time? I'm a very big time planner. I've got a plan to to not have a plan. That sounds funny, but that's the way I operate. Elizabeth says, we don't have a plan. Well, okay, that's what I needed to know. I needed to know we didn't have a plan. I got issues. Look at your neighbor and say, I got issues. I agree. (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. Personality, under the control of God. Oh, P-O is your outlook. Nothing wrong with your outlook. It's good. It's good to be looking ahead, but we need to be looking ahead under God's control. Man, can you imagine if that's the way we saw, if that's the way we're looking? Is God, I feel like my next step is this, but what do you say about it? What does your word say about it? What is the people around me that I know I can completely trust to lead and guide me? You know, you know how you find a good answer? With a lot of counsel. Not on your own. 
with a lot of counsel. And you got to have the right counsel. Anybody here ever had bad counsel? Anybody here ever been bad counsel? Okay. What's the result of having your outlook under God's control? We start working for the benefit of others, not just ourselves. And let me tell you, in God's kingdom, that will work. All right. So let's start, let's start off uh, our new stuff today. W. Words. Everybody say words. You know, it's not that thing that goes in one ear and out the other that gets you in trouble. It's that thing that goes in one ear and gets mashed around and gets kicked around a, a lot, and then it comes out of your mouth. That's what gets us in trouble. Words under God's control. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Now, just as I'm reading this, I just feel the Spirit of God say, number one, we've got to get our words under God's control, but that we have the ability under God's control to watch what's coming out of our mouth. You know what Scripture says? It says to take every thought captive. That means that nothing that comes across your mind can have control over you unless you let it. As a child of God, we're going to see in just a minute, outside of the power of God, you cannot tame your tongue. You can't do it. Scripture says you can't. I believe it. That's enough said. But that I can watch the way I talk. And don't let anything foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Do you know that when you do, you have chosen to let that out? You've made a choice. I chose to let that word slip out. James chapter 3, verses 6 and 8. Now, we all know this one. In fact, I think I spent six or seven weeks just praying on the power of our tongue. But the tongue, is, who can agree with this? Just, just look at this. The tongue is a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness and poisons, every part of the body. The tongue is set on fire by what? Hell itself. And it can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. But no human, human being can tame the tongue. It's always ready to pour out its deadly poison. I, I want to encourage you today to wake up. To wake up to the goodness of God. Do you know what we've sang all morning? How great God, God is. How good he is. He is so good. He is so good. And let me tell you, your mouth has got you in a lot of trouble. And it will continue to get you in trouble until you submit it to God. Man, that's revelation. I'm not talking about necessarily submit, which we need to. But have you ever had to submit a paper to a teacher? Submit your words to God. Woo, that was a good one. I don't know if y'all got that, but I got that. Submit your tongue to God. Meaning, let him, let, take his ways, his word, his spirit, and let that get processed before you let it get out of your mouth. Because you know, once it's out of your mouth, there is no taking it back. And unfortunately, you will stand before the throne and talk about those words that you said. The things that we do when we come to heaven, we're going to have to deal with the things that we've done. And we might as well try to get it right here. 
Are y'all with me? Is God not going to take into account all the words that we've said, all the idle words? He is. So why not let him have them now? God, I feel like saying this. Well, I really don't think you should say that. Well, okay. What else could I say? Okay, that sounds better. I'll say that. Okay, I just saved myself from fire that was brought, that hell was trying to work in my life. Are you with me? Set on fire by hell itself. We can't tame our tongue in our own strength. It must be seasoned by the grace of God. So, can we go back? Words under God's control. Pastor, you don't know what kind of temper I got. You don't know how how bad it is. Sometimes I just lose it. I want you to know I have been there. I have had a problem with my mouth. I have had a problem with the language that I spoke. But as I started to see the destruction that it was causing in my life, and I started to see if I would seek after God, he would rescue me from that. He completely delivered me from a profane mouth. Almost overnight. Doesn't mean sometimes you have a moment and something slips. Let me tell you, that's where grace comes. Praise God. God's not calling us to be perfect. We're not perfect. We are not Jesus Christ. He is calling us to seek after righteousness. It says to practice righteousness as I am righteous. What does practice mean? It means sometimes we don't always get it right. Well, you know what? That's why the blood of Jesus is here for us. If we could get it right on our own, we wouldn't need the blood of Jesus. Do you realize that? Why would, Jesus send, why would God send his son Jesus if we didn't need him? We do need him. So you're going to mess up. We're going to get to that in just a minute. E. P-O-W-E. Expectations under God's control. When we are gentle people, we not only place our personality and our outlook and our words under God's control, but our expectations. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Can you imagine approaching your spouse this way? Your children, your job, your church, making allowance. What does that mean? That means I've got a little, I've got a little uh, account over here full of allowance that when you stumble, I'm not going to hold you to that. I'm going to say, you know what, I have made allowance for that mess up. Doesn't mean I like it, doesn't mean we're going to agree with it, doesn't mean we're going to support it, but I will tell you, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm going to love on you, and I'm going to let you off the hook of that one. This morning, I, we've got a, a member back from out of town, and I got talk, roped into one of my sound guys to, to doing something mis- mischievous this morning. And once I did it, I thought, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. And she can take it, man, if anybody can take it, Pamela can take it. But at the same time, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because sometimes we try to be funny and we're not funny. It was what? It was funny, yeah. (laughs) But funny at someone else's expense isn't always funny to that person. You know, how many of you have offended somebody this week? this morning wouldn't you like them to walk the scripture out the person you offended 
Now let's flip that back around. Wouldn't it be great if you could have some allowance for some people to make some mistakes? And let me tell you, I struggle with this. Sometimes I'm the hardest person to please. I, I can't, people just can't get things right with me. And you know what that is? That's immaturity, and that's the opposite of gentleness. That's the opposite of gentleness. We don't have it all together. Let me ask you a question. When someone disappoints you, and we've all been disappointed by people, how do you react? Do you react gently or judgmental? It's a good question, isn't it? What's your first reaction? Let me go back to a, a, a story I love to repeat. It's, it's the story of Elijah. And do you remember when, when uh, Elijah went up against all the prophets of Baal and called down fire and just watched the prophets of Baal get burned up? And I mean, it was, it was one of the greatest days of his ministry. God really moved. He showed himself strong. But unfortunately, right after that challenge, here comes Jezebel and he runs. He takes off from this woman that showed up. And this woman came out and said, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And what did he do? He forgot everything and took off. Greatest day in Elijah's life also was one of the most challenging days. And a time that he was about to slip into depression. And you know what he said? I'm no better than anybody else. This powerful man of God. And you remember what God said to him? God said, Elijah, go get in this cave over here. Now, I want you to know, it kind of gives me the impression of a teacher saying, why don't you go stand in the corner for just a moment? Do you ever in elementary school and the teacher make you stand in the corner? Then I don't think they do that anymore. They shouldn't because, man, it's a tough thing. Or make you lay your head on the table. And, you know, when you're there, you, the teacher's going to continue on and teach, but you know judgment's coming. This teacher's about to make clear what my problem is. You know, and here we sit. And I, I believe that as, as Elijah went to this cave, that I believe that he was thinking probably the same things we would, th we would think. Man, I have disappointed God. I've blown it big time. I haven't been the man of God I wanted to be. Where is my faith? Somehow I have gotten off track. Where is my courage? I lost all those things. Now I wonder what God's going to do. And do you know when God came? Do you remember what happened when God said, come back out of the cave? He, he said, Elijah, I want you to stand before me. And then some amazing things started to happen. Do you remember what happened? First came this mighty wind. Can, can you imagine a, a, a mighty wind when it's talking in Scripture? I imagine something of a tornado. But Scripture tells us God wasn't in the wind. And then what comes next? An earthquake. Now, the tornado was enough to get my attention, but now an earthquake. But it says God wasn't in the earthquake. And then fire came. And it says God wasn't in the fire. And then it says, and then there was a gentle voice. And God was the gentle voice. Do you know what he was doing? He wasn't beating Elijah up. He was loving Elijah. He was saying, I know you're down, and I know you failed, and I know you feel bad. And you know, for, for the last three months, we've been on the fruits of the Spirit, and I want to ask you this question. Is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I've got to raise my hand and tell you, I have got all the fruits of the Spirit perfected. And I just want you to know that everyone we've done so far, I've scored 100 on. 
And even though they've been real good messages, you know what? I got this all together. And I want you to know, Pastor, I'm perfect when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit. Now, if that's you, go ahead and raise your hand so we can all throw a rock at you. (laughs) Can I tell you something? None of us have got it all together. You feel like you don't have it all together? Welcome to Church on the Hill. We don't have it all together. And you know, I thought about the last topic that we talked on two weeks ago was on faithfulness to your spouse. And I know in this size auditorium, there's quite a few people here that heard that message and said, well, I've already blown it. I've already messed up. And you'd give anything to be able to take back what you've done, and you know you can't. But I want you to know that just like God said to Elijah, he said, just go in that cave for just a minute. And he's not going to send an earthquake. He's not going to send fire down from heaven. You know what what he's going to be like? He's going to be like the prodigal's father. After he had left with every wrong intention, he had done everything wrong. But you know where the father was? And I believe he was there every day, standing outside, looking and waiting for him to return. And not only that, with his arms wide open, ready to run after him and to embrace him. And do you know when he embraced him, he didn't tell him everything he had done wrong. The prodigal son started to say, Dad, I've done this, and I've done this, and I'll do this. And you know what the dad did? He told him to be quiet. Enough of that. We're going to go kill the cow. I've got a ring to put on your finger. I've got a robe to put on your finger. It's time for restoration. It's time. It's time for us to come back to the Lord and be received by a gentle God. The message to us is this, if Christianity is anything, it's not people always being perfect, but it's people who want to be holy, who desire to be what God wants them to be, and are willing to let God's grace cover us. You know what, at some point you got to forgive yourself. Have you come to the altar and have you confessed your sin to God and asked Him to forgive you? At some point you've got to receive that. Is Jesus' blood enough? It is. You hanging on to your sin, even though God has forgiven you, is wrong. You need to let it go. Let me encourage you. Pick up your chin. Stand up tall. You are a child of God. And you know what? You can say, I'm not the person I used to be because of the grace of God. Praise God. Let's go to R. Our response under God's control. Gentle people are proactive, not reactive. This one needs to set in for just a minute. Gentle people under God's control are proactive, not reactive. A proactive person is self-controlled. That's where we're going to go next week. Or, or the week after. A proactive person is self-controlled. A reactive person is other-controlled. Haven't we all said on occasion, you, you've made me so mad. You upset me so much. No, they didn't. You have chosen 
to be mad. It's a choice. So many times we do it in reverse. So many, a gentle person is not controlled by the response of someone else. Did you hear that? A gentle person is not controlled by someone else's actions. It's easy to be gentle when there's nothing going on, right? When you're sitting outside by yourself reading a book and it's sunny and the birds are chirping. But what about when, when somebody, I mean, I always fall back on this, does something to you in your car? People are crazy in their car. It's like some other personality comes over them, and including myself. I didn't even know I had that in me. And you start driving aggressively, get on people's tails like you're going to do something to them. And they do it to you. A proactive person is self-controlled. I've got to get to a point that no matter what you say to me, you are not going to get my temper. You can't have that. That's immaturity on my part when I react that way. How many of you kind of didn't handle yourself exactly right this week at your work? Can I encourage you? You can. By the power of God, you can. And where you feel like that boss is never going to promote you, I want you to know, let God promote you. Get it out of your boss's hands and put it into God's hands. And start serving that authority like God wants you to serve them. And what will happen is, you will circumvent whatever that boss is trying to do against you. And God will be in control. There's a good chance you're the one that's off anyway. and He's just going to show you. But if it's not you and it's the boss, God will work it out. You can't work it out on your own. When you do, all you do is mess it up. You just make it worse. Amen? So, as I close this morning, how do you become a proactive person? Proactive person. How do you become a proactive person? And I believe if you could go away with one thing, go away with this today. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. So many times we do it in reverse. We want to be understood before we understand. How many of you have tried to stand up for what you believe before you will even hear what the other person has to say? You know how to be gentle is, is listen. Stop talking. How many of you so many times have thought, man, I'm glad I didn't let that word get out? Or you thought, man, I wished I hadn't let that word get out. Stop talking and listen. So many times with the challenges that I've had, let me tell you, I've had challenges in my life. Have you? No? Well, good luck with that. I don't believe you. Have you had challenges? Do you know that normally that if I can try my best to see the other person's view, it will help me be able to get through my challenge? But when I won't see it, when I'm stubborn and I have to have my way, it always tears the relationship. Why? Because it's selfish. But pastor, I'm right. Well, I'm right too. Who's going to be the bigger person and say, you know what, I need to see it from where they're coming from? And most of the time, 
Maybe I don't see it the same way, but I can at least relate to where they're coming from. Seek to understand. Seek to understand, then to be understood. There's a quote that I've got in your notes. It's from the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It says, and I don't know if you can read this. It's on your notes. Next to physical survival, the greatest need of a human being is psychological survival. To be understood, to be affirmed, and be validated, and to be appreciated. Now, I want you to know I've, give, I've given you some, some tips, some scriptural tips in how to face your day. Now, we've got a choice. Today, you get a chance to choose. Which way are you going to go? Are you going to go God's Word's way, or are you going to keep trying to do it your way? Do you remember what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Why not try gentleness? There's scripture all throughout the Bible about the humble, about the blessings for the humble, about those that are slow to speak, about those that can control under the Holy Spirit, control the tongue. And there's a lot of scripture out there that says what's going to happen to you when you exalt yourself, when you don't control your tongue, when you're not led by the Spirit. Now, you got some choices to make today. All week long, I want you to know God's been tenderizing my spirit, and he has been at work on me. And you know where I'm determined to go, where I'm headed, is I want the gentleness of, 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 the gentleness of spirit to show through me. And let me tell you, the only way that can happen is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in the natural, I'm not gentle. story this week that we walked through and I am going to try so hard to not divulge who I'm talking about so y'all bear with me because this is something that happened with one of my kids this week and I first just want to say I, I love my children I think they're the best kids in the whole world um, but we had a little situation where um, one of the kids had been misunderstood by friends and some words had been said and I want you to understand this child is a gentle child. This child is a loving child. And so when mamas started to communicate, the only thing that I could keep saying was, I just, I, I was even having a hard time hearing what was being said. Um, but I heard it. It took every ounce of self-control and gentleness I had as a mama to not turn into to the polar bear. Um, but I did, I, I heard it, and I went back to the child to verify what had happened. And I want you to know, I think things were completely misunderstood, but this child owned it. And you know, as we started talking, this child said to me, you know, I can see how my friend might've taken it like that. And so we spent the day visiting the friends that we felt like we had wounded and apologizing. And you know, that's a very humbling thing to do. It's a humbling thing to drive up to somebody's house and apologize. And it's hard when you yourself feel misunderstood and you don't get a whole lot in return. Now, some we did, some we didn't. 
We had to go to two different people. But the reason that I'm sharing this with you is not to, um, I mean, we, 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 I really try to guard these kind of stories, but what I want to say to you is that this little kiddo of mine is precious. And um, after this was all over, the little person inside, I think, started to think, I must be pretty bad. You know, this must be pretty bad. And I want you to know I felt the need as a mama to go back and validate. And that quote up there, um, I think, really said it all. Um, you know, we did the right thing biblically. I think God was pleased. We went and corrected what was wrong. We apologized. But, um, you know, this, this child of mine needed to be affirmed and needed to be validated. And how many of you have ever had words spoken over you that just wound you? You know, I've experienced that in my life. I've had wounding words. And you know that little song that says, remind me who I am. Remind me who I am. Because you know what? The Lord has been so gracious to me to remind me who I am. And you know what? As a mama, I could remind my kiddo who you are. And so I want to encourage you, parents and friends, to be the type of person that sees the good. Because you know what I started saying? And it was the very thing Father God said about Jesus. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And do you know, and I'm not putting any gender there, but I was able to say to that child, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. I am pleased with you, and God is pleased with you. And these words that have been spoken, this is not who you are. And so I just want to encourage you, be the gentle one, because I think it's beautiful, and I think it's lovely, and I think God likes it. But in the meantime, when you're, in the, when you're being the gentle one, you know what? Allow God to affirm you. Go back and dig out in the word of God what he thinks about you because you are precious and you are loved and he is pleased. And so allow your validation to come from him. Amen. Amen. Well, as I close, a key thing that happened there is number one, I believe that it's happening today is that the, the conviction of the Lord will come on you. As a Christian, we know that God's going to correct us. And that one way that we know that God loves us and he's at work in our lives is correction comes. And if you don't mind, just bow your heads with me. And I'm not going to pray yet, but I just want you to, to, to try to get with God for just a moment. And I just want to ask you, has some conviction come with you with gentleness? Because, you know, through, through this situation with my family... You know, a, a phone call of conviction came. It was not condemnation. It was, there is just really a problem here. And I believe a key that happened with my child is this child took responsibility for it. And so many times with the correction of God, we want to resist it. We want to reject it. But I want to encourage you, if you felt some godly, correction come into you this morning over gentleness 
own it. Just say, yes, God. That's right. I am struggling right here. But now it's time to take some action and say, Lord God, I am coming towards you. And I want this to be right. And Lord, I feel down. And the Lord's not going to come with fire or an earthquake. He's going to come with love. He's going to come with gentleness. Church, make a heart change this morning toward gentleness, toward kindness, toward faithfulness. It's time to make a move. And it's time to stop being that non-gentle person. Thank you, Lord. Just pray for a miracle right now, Lord. That we would hear your word and, Lord, we would walk it out. Do you need the Lord in your life? Tell him. His word says that when we cry out to him, he responds to that cry. Men, tell him. Father, I need you in my finances. I need you in my attitudes. I need you in my marriage. Ladies, tell him. I need you in my attitudes. I need you in my relationships. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my job.